Welcome to episode number 25 of the Broad Street Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sayeda. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Phillies' exciting NLCS win over the Padres. We'll also preview their World Series matchup against the mighty Houston Astros. Uh, we'll give out some predictions, prop bets, etc. for the World Series. Then we're going to jump into the NFL to pre- preview the Eagles-Steelers matchup. Uh, we'll review last week's betting stats and finally give our Week 8 bets. I am joined tonight by my co-host, Jimmy the Chalk. Chalky, how are you tonight? Doing wonderful, doing wonderful. Silver anniversary episode, right? That, that's right. We made it to 25. Uh, so our other co-host, Tommy Nanny, is out sick tonight. So, so Tom, get well soon. Hopefully you'll be back on next week. Uh, but to help us pick up the slack tonight, we are joined by a special guest. He's my Rose and Boa grade school South Philly Opal Street buddy, <laughs> Christopher Michael Meeker. Guys, Meeker, I am, what's up? I am fired up for this podcast tonight. Fired up to talk about the Phils. Let's do well, it. Just, just tell everyone quickly about our Rose and Boa game. <laughs> I don't want to leave everybody hanging about that. So for all, for all of you suburbanites that might listen to this show, we lived on a small street in South Philadelphia, and in the middle of the small street of South Philadelphia, there were patches in the middle of the street that they must have patched up, whatever, at some point in time, potholes, gas lines, whatever. So that were the bases, right? So they were the bases. One, one was first base, one was second base, and all we would do at like from seven to ten years old is just run out there, throw throw ground balls to each other. Just pick them up, decide what was going on in a specific game, turn double plays, and throw it from base to base. And I, I was a big Larry Boa fan when I was a kid. Jason was a big Pete Rose fan when he was a kid. So that was the game that it was called. It was called Rose and Boa. Only in Philadelphia yeah. can you do something like that. Yeah, the concrete jungle where we <laughs> learned how to play our sports on the Opal Street between 19th and 20th and Rittner Porter in South Philly. And, of course, we used to play with a a pimp ball. We did. We broke a lot of storm doors. Your next-door neighbor's poor storm door took a beating. See, I lived on on a bus route, so I couldn't couldn't do a lot in the street without having to jump back and forth. uh... Yeah. Yeah, we we didn't have uh, those grass fields that all these suburbanites that listen to us have. No, Uh, I used to to slide on the asphalt at the – playing wiffle ball at the – park around the corner and somehow i would have got to get it down pretty good where i wasn't like skinning my whole leg the whole time people thought i was nuts but yeah uh that yeah that was that was as close as i got for the most part like you guys we played tackle football Kill the man we with had, the football yeah that, that's a great game Kill yeah. the man, Kill Kill the the man carrier. we had the milk crate and nailed to the telephone pole that was our basketball net <laughs> yeah had that had that uh, we, we didn't yeah. know any better it was the best Nah, fun stuff. All right, so anyway, let's get into it. So, bottom of the eighth, game five, NLCS. The Phillies are up three to one in the series, but they're down three to two in the game. JT Real Muto leads off with a sharp single to left, and up comes Bryce Harper. So the Padres have their lefty closer, Josh Hader, warming up in the pen. Does Bob Melvin go to him? No. He lets Suarez pitch to Harper. And on the seventh pitch of the at-bat, I'm going to throw it to Chalky, who was lucky enough to be there. So, Chalky, we need you to describe the scene step-by-step and what it sounded like and anything you could give us for it. All right. So, to set the stage, seventh inning, it's raining very steadily at this point. It wasn't quite game five part one of the world series which i believe today is the 14th anniversary of that where there's puddles on the field but it's coming down and we saw what happened you know uh pass ball padres take the lead so we go to the bottom of the seventh stott leads off with a double i'm sitting second deck second row 300 level my brother-in-law all right stott leads off gets the double we jump up i'm clapping my hands are soaked. I can feel in like slow motion my wedding ring fly off my finger. Oh. So I'm like, oh my oh God. It's so like people in the row in front of me are looking. I felt like it fell forward, but I'm like, it flew down into the 100 level. It's gone. We're looking. We're looking. Okay. Going nuts. And I'm like, you know what? Just forget it. Just forget it. I actually, I lost it earlier this year. My wife ordered me another one. So I had a backup somewhere else, but I found it and was wearing it. There you go. So 
we get to the bottom of the eighth, and uh, Real Motu leads off, gets the hit. The row behind me, guy about three seats to the right, says something about, oh, wait, were you looking for a ring? I said, yeah. He goes, is this it? And I look at it, I'm like, oh my God, how did, yeah, this is it. How did you have it? And then, like, it was just amazing. Like, and I put it back on as, as Harper is getting into the box, and I'm like, they got to win now. They got to win now. And it was just, you know, foul pitches. You go, and then he made contact, and, you know, it, it felt like it got, it, watching on TV, it got out really fast, but it was almost like slow motion. Like, you know, if you've heard them overdub the, the natural, you know, that that song over the home run, it, 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 but it was like that. And it's like, you know, the first, one of the first things my dad ever told me, I go into a game was, I would jump up every time there was a foul, like a fly ball. And he said, watch the outfielder. That's the first thing you do. And I, I he hit it. And then like, I looked at the left fielder. And I could see that, like, he was turning his head pretty quickly, and he wasn't moving back on it. And I was like, it's gone. And it was, like, slow motion, and it went out. And it was, you know, people hugging each other, strangers. The Padres fan in the row behind us, who was a nice guy, was getting, like, knocked over inadvertently. And it was just, you know, Fransky called it bedlam. And I don't know what better word to describe it, but that's an understatement. And it's the rain is still coming down and people are just, I mean, it was, it was arguably the single, it was it's the single greatest Phillies moment I've ever been in the ballpark for. Uh, and, and, you know, it got, it got hairy in the ninth, but you know, I don't, I don't even think I knew that hater was warming up. Um, it was just, okay. Like they got the guy on. It's like, just get it here and get it over with. And I still can't believe that it, it happened and it played out that way. It's still surreal just thinking about it here several days later that that, that happened. So let me. let me ask you this. Was that like the loudest moment? Because I'll take a step back. The loudest moment I've ever encountered at a game was I was at the last Eagles game at the Vet against Tampa Bay. And when Mitchell returned the opening kick to midfield, the, the stadium was actually moving. Yeah. Like it was shaking. It was that loud. It was... For a Phillies game, yes. The single loudest sporting moment I've ever been to was American Pharaoh at Belmont with 90,000 people. And that felt like those, Jason, you've been there, that grandstand felt like it was shaking. Wow. That's the loudest I've ever, I could say. But um, for a Phillies game, absolutely. And I, I didn't go to any of the games the year. They won the World Series, but I've been to some other big games. And it just, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't even close. There's not one single moment that was was close to this and uh yeah it's the loudest i've ever heard citizens bank park i, I would say for sure so we're gonna throw out the meeker who i believe was in butte montana or where were you <laughs> actually for for this moment I was, and I why was, were you in where you were for this moment yeah i was in scottsdale arizona and uh i had uh previously set up a vacation not knowing that this would ever happen and so but it, what was the vacation for? Just to go to the – well, first to, to see the Saints play Arizona, which was a horrible football game. But, you know, it was also kind of centered around going to the Grand Canyon and, and going to Sedona, Arizona, which is beautiful, by the way. Everyone should take a trip out there. But happened to uh, – you know, this happened and, you know, I had to now center my whole vacation around being able to watch Phillies games, which didn't, uh, didn't go too well with the wife. Um, but, you know, I did get through it. And we watched every pitch of every game. And in the last game, happened to come across a bar in Scottsdale, which was owned by a Philadelphian. Um, and all Phillies fans throughout the whole bar was a, was just a great atmosphere. Felt like I was home. Uh, all these people were from the area. The bartender was from the area. Everything, and and it was just you know if there. What was if, the, what was the name of that? Do you remember? It's called uh, Rock Bar Inc. That was the name of okay, it. Okay, now that's not the one. That's not the one I was at before. Yeah. But there's a couple. But yeah, I mean that. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, it was. It was, like, was going to give him a plug if it was the same place, but I, I felt, either way, it felt like home. It really did. I mean, obviously, it was just a collection of about 40 people, but it, it did. It, at least I, I, I enjoyed it with some Phillies fans and didn't sit in a hotel room and watch the game. So you know, I still had a. Mo but it, but one of the things I want to say is that the guy that was sit I was sitting next to at the bar, right? When Harper stepped up to the plate, I kept saying, okay, this is his moment. This is his moment right here, right now. Something has to happen right here, right now. 
And the guy looked at me and said, he just looked at me with this straight face and said, he's going to hit a home run. And I said, okay, I sure hope so. And like, you know, nine pitches later or however many pitches later, he hits the home run. Seven. Uh, I, I couldn't, you know, I don't hug strangers that much, but I just, just, just hugged this guy. You know, and I was like, you called it, you called it. This was, and it was just a moment. Uh, I can't believe you were there, Chalky. I, I, I envy that. Um, it was awesome to see. I, I, I can't watch that at bat more. I must have watched it at least 15 times this week. I, I, the first time I actually got to watch it back was getting home that evening. Like I pulled up outside my house and it was, you know, I don't know what time this was. Uh, might've been nine 30. ended up at Xfinity live for a little bit after the game. Cause you didn't want to go home after that. And I think it was, I think it was you had sent like a couple texts out and like one, I think one was the, Fox call and then one was Francis's call and I just I sat there in my car for probably like 20 minutes just watching each one back and forth like over and over again and I was just yeah. like this just happened and Francis's it was call like was amazing yeah well, they both were I mean the, the Joe Davis was pretty good too on, on Fox it was uh you know he, he called it well um it was it was insane I mean I jumped out of my seat I was like this, this ball's gone like it was, it's gone like I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. He, you know, he hit it, and uh, you said it was Harper's you know, little... face. He knew it when from the Harp, Harper's face. Just he knew it. Oh, yeah. he stood when he stood there. That he didn't. Game, he, he, yeah, little... he didn't try to beat it down the line. He it was you know he watched on TV. It's like okay, that's either foul or it's a home yeah, run. Yeah, he like, stood there. Not... He knew it was gone. He yeah. knew it was gone. So and then you know you had the shaky ninth, but once again Thompson pulls the right strings. You know he brings in Ranger. Uh, Ranger's got that slow heartbeat, like you know. He just goes in and does his job. The play he made on the the on the bunt, which was a ridiculous bunt, but the play he made on that, that's a tough play. That ball's wet. Yeah. You know, he goes and he picks it up and he throws a strike to, to you know, to first base. It's a heck of a play there. I can't believe um, that guy gives up his bat there. Uh, that that was And that was that was him. That wasn't that wasn't that, from yeah, Melbourne. That caught me off that, guard live. Like it wasn't you know, so I guess they Christian. they were all thinking the same thing as like they they're not expecting this, but um and I'm a proponent of Bunton. I love Bunton. I think I think the Phillies should do it more. Like when you have a guy like Marsh, who's you know late in the game in a, a game that a righty started, and he's in against a lefty late in the game that he has no chance against. You're leading off an inning. Drop a bunt. Do something. Try to get on base. Right. You're not going to get a hit off the guy. So, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a proponent of Bunton. But at that at that point, you just you you don't bunt and then leave the chance of, you know. Aaron Noll or Austin Noll coming up. Yeah. Two well, that's what I mean. Like that's the guy who's hitting next. I mean, we're not so. It's not Soto. He's not. But I Soto. think he was bunting for a hit. I don't think he was bunting to move the guys over. It was just the yeah. Just at, a, at two outs, you're not moving those guys. I mean, yeah, a single. But if, if it was no outs, okay, a fly ball at least gets guy home. Your tie game. Uh, to me, right. I think it, it it struck me more as a surprise. Catch him off guard. And worst case, you got two guys in scoring position. Uh, if if to take the lead, if you get a hit, but. Um, he was scared. That was that was awesome. So so um, you know, with that with that moment happening, it just uh, got me thinking. And like, what you know, what are our top five most iconic or memorable Phillies moments? Whether it's an at bat or you know just a sequence or you know a play. Uh, and I'll I'll throw out the chalky to start. Uh, Give me, give me a couple that you could think of, Chalky. I'm sure right. there's Harper ones in there. <laughs> All right. Let me uh, let me run through a couple honorable mentions real quick because I had about 10 that I pared down. Uh, honorable mentions, uh, 1993 uh, NLCS Game 5, Lenny Dykstra, 10th inning home run. Uh, yep. Matt Stairs hits one into the night off of Broxton. That's an honorable mention for me, which is, like, tough. And uh, uh, those those – and, and – uh, Howard's at bats against uh, Colorado in 2009. Those back to back, get me to the plate. Like you know, those were, those were among the other memorable ones that 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 I could say. But so for for top five, number five is a tie for me. Uh, Mother's Day 1993, Mariano Duncan comes up down three uh, in the eighth inning against Lee Arthur Cardinals. Smith. Yep. Hits a grand slam. It was Mother's Day. I, I remember vividly watching the game at my grandparents' house. And uh, he hits the home run. They 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 win the game. Harry Callis is is screaming. Whitey Ashburn is screaming. It's a May baseball game 
to that point in my life, I had never been a part of the Phillies doing something like that that early in the season. And that was, it sounds hyperbolic, but it, like that was the moment I was like, okay, this year is different that I felt to me. Um, so that's number five slash one. Number two of the five, I, I'm going to say um, 2007, August, I think 27th to 20th. I wrote the date down, but I lost it. Uh, the Phillies complete four game sweep at home against the Mets. And they went from I was at the game. They went from <laughs> six games game. back to four to two games back. And those last three games of that series were a walk off home run from Howard in extra innings. Uh, the next night, it looks like that they got the tying run home, and then they call interference on I think Marlon Anderson at second base, and then they beat Billy Wagner in the ninth for a walk off uh, on the Thursday afternoon game, and That's that was like I'm like okay, yeah. like they're two games back with a month to play, they can win this, and they end up going back to seven games down before coming back again. But to me, like and watching Billy Wagner walk off, and um, I think it was. Iguchi scored the winning run that day, right? I think, but uh, Utley did something big in that. In I think Utley got the hit. Maybe was it that scored him? Iguchi got on base, been. and yeah. yeah. So or Utley got hit by a pitch. He was always great at that, obviously. Um, yeah. And uh, Burl hit a home run in the inning before. I think. All right. So that's Co Five Number Four. Uh, NLCS ninety three game six. Mitch strikes out Pakoda. Still see the picture from the Daily News the next day. He's split legged, jumping up and. That team, it's insane that they were able to beat what to that point was the two-time defending NL champions and was their best team to me by far of those three because they added Greg Maddox and Fred McGriff that year. And this team, which didn't have another winning record the rest of the 90s, was able to knock them off in six games. So that's four. Uh, number three for me is 2009 NLCS game four, Jimmy Rollins' walk-off double. Um on TV, that was the loudest I've, to me, I've ever heard Citizens Bank Park. And that's, and that whole run, that's the loudest I've ever screamed at the TV. Uh, um, yeah, it's off the bat. I'm like, get down, get down. And then I'm yelling for Ru- Ruiz to get home. It was home. a rocket, too. That it was, was yeah, it was, and, and, you know, insane that they, they, you know, I ran out in the street, like nobody, everybody's looking at me, like, what are you doing? But, <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, we're going back to the World Series, even though that wasn't the clinching game. Number two is Harper for recency bias and being there uh but that comes in number two and number one of course is uh, october 29th 2008 when lidge strikes out eric Hinsky to finally uh it wasn't the first philadelphia championship i was alive for but it was the first one i ever got a chance to see so uh and that was like i didn't yell i didn't do whatever i, I was just kind of silent and i was like it you know they finally won and uh i was with tommy and you know we were hugging and whatever and it's like it was yeah, so like that was that was the moment for me for the Phillies, but hopefully we got another one or two left. Yeah, so Tommy had had all of yours, and the one he he had that you didn't was Kim Batiste in Game One against uh, the the Braves uh, in '93 yep. when he hit that chopper down the line. So I Ari, I turned it off much like Schilling when he he had the error in the ninth. I turned it off and went to bed, so I didn't see till the next morning that they came back and won. Yeah, I, I watched. I remember that. So Meeker, how about you? What do you what do you got for us? Well, our history is a little longer than Chalky's because yeah. we're older. So, you know, we, we we can go back to 1980, and I'm not going to put these in any specific order because um, I didn't yeah. really rank them per se. But of course, winning the World Series in 1980. Um, I'm eight years old. You know, my father wakes me up from a dead sleep. I probably fell asleep around the sixth inning, and he wakes me up with about uh, I think right at the beginning of the ninth inning. Um, and all the madness that happens in the ninth inning, bases loaded, right? You know, and 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 Tug gets the strikeout uh, to to win the World Series, and it's probably my you know my earliest and fondest memory of the Phillies. I had been a fan you know since I was like five years old, but I don't remember too much about the '78 and '79 teams. I remember a lot about the '80 team because it was just like you know you're just kind of understanding the game at that point when you're a kid. So. Winning the World Series in 1980, probably my earliest and fondest memory. Winning the NLCS in 93, obviously Chalky uh, described that well enough for me with the split-legged Mitch, you know, jumping up in the air, Dalton hugging him. Uh, The 93 team, and we've talked about this a couple of times, is probably my favorite Philadelphia Phillies team. Uh, Probably just for place and time. You know, we're 21 years old, just, you know, kind of in that 
that youthful stage of your life uh, and I'm in college, you know, where I'm, I have all my college buddies all around watching all these games, you know, leading up to that, to the NLCS and the whole, the whole season just was magic, you know, and one, and I'm going to lead into one of the, one, another one personally for me was when the Phillies won the national league East in 1993. I happened to be in the stadium. It was in Pittsburgh. We were at Penn state at the time we took a road trip down to Pittsburgh, knew that if we were going to be there for three days, we were going to be there for three days. But I think they ended up winning it the first game of that series. Talk about another Mariano Duncan moment, right? Do you remember that? Grand Slam in Pittsburgh uh, to put the Phillies up maybe somewhere like six to four in that game. And they ended up winning it. I think they scored like 10 runs in the game. I don't remember the score. But winning the NLCS in uh, – excuse me, winning the NL East in 93. Well, the obvious one, obviously, is the Phillies winning the World Series in 08. I happened to be in the ballpark with my dad. Um, probably the best moment I ever shared with my father in my entire life. Um, and it's a story behind the story behind the story as to how I even got to the point of being in that game. But we ended up sitting next to each other, watching them win the, the 08 World Series. I, 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 I couldn't even enjoy it, to be honest with you. I was so nervous. Um, my heart was just beating out of my chest and I just had to sit down and like tell my dad, I just, I don't even know if I can watch this last pitch or, you know, the last at bat, if he strikes out Hinsky, it's over, anxiety removed, party time, awesome, 2008. And my fifth one was Harper's home run, right? So, I mean, that's going to hit top five for me. Uh, just the moment yep. that, you know, we kind of described, uh, being, even though I wasn't in the city, it wasn't at the game, but it was just a... Now, for recency bias, like Chalky said, I mean, there might be some other things I'm forgetting, like winning the NLCS against the Astros in 80. I mean, there was, you know, coming back from 5-2 to two in that game was unbelievable. Uh, Stairs, home run. And an honorable mention that I will mention, and I just remember just from hearing the news, and I think it was like somewhere around 11.45 at night when the Phillies re-signed Cliff Lee. It was right around Christmas time. Ah. Uh. I just I was up late and I and I, I'm I'm scrolling through Twitter and they were like mystery team mystery team I'm like there's no way and then it was like Clifton Pfeiffer Lee is returning to Philadelphia and I'm like you gotta be effing kidding me like I like no. it was late and I wanted to start calling and texting people and I'm like I it was yeah late. I heard the news like <laughs> almost midnight it was like right around Christmas time and everyone like woke up the next morning saying this is like the best Christmas present we can have. Yeah. And of course, they never won the World Series. There's with, no way they can lose you know, the next year, but. right? <laughs> but it was, all right, let me uh, Go ahead, just for the sake of time, because uh, we didn't even get to the World Series yet. Let me let me run through mine, and I'm going to cheat a little bit. I have more than five. Sorry. <laughs> so, Tug striking out Willie Wilson. Obviously, I'm same age as Meeker. Um, just unbelievable to see them win the World Series that year. Obviously, Lidge with Hensky. Uh, the one thing that Meeker didn't mention in that was the Pete Rose pop-up that he caught out of uh, Bob Boone's glove. That's right? That was yep. that's iconic. Yep. Like that is a play you'll never forget. Um, and then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to and this 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 snuck into my top five. Um, I'm gonna jump into uh, Gary Matthews home run against the Dodgers in '83 mm-hmm. in the clinching game, which I was there, which is unbelievable. Um, that was just an incredible home run. He he destroyed the ball. Um, actually, I think it was Steve Yeager was a catcher. He hit him with the bat when he flipped it and all. It was, yeah. it was pretty unbelievable. Uh, the, and the crowd was insane in that game also, if I remember correctly. But um, And then, of course, Harper's home run's got to be in there. But but so many honorable mentions are Manny Trio's triple in 1980 against the Astros. The Astros yep. You know, they were down 5-2 going into the top of the eighth against Nolan Ryan, of all people. Yep. And they came back and won that, that game. That was on trio. that was on MLB Network last night. I DVR'd it, but I'm. Oh, that's I'm, an insane. I think it's like might, to, might try to watch it start screen. to finish before it start tomorrow. But yeah. top ten playoff games of all time, they say. You know that, that whole series was. was yeah. Just watch yeah. that game if if I mean from from start to finish. I've I've watched it on YouTube. It's insane. Um, you guys mentioned Dykstra's home run against Wallers in Game Five at Atlanta. That was that was unbelievable. Dykstra was so clutch that year. Um, how could you forget Holiday's no hitter? Yep. <laughs> oh, those in both. 2010 yeah. playoffs. Those are both. Right? Those are both honorable mentions I meant to mention. You know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I was at Schilling Game Five in the '93 World Series. Probably one of the top five games I've ever seen pitched. Clutch, unbelievable. 
he was in that game. And uh, you guys mentioned Rollins, Rollins uh, bases clearing uh, double or, you know, in game four against the Dodgers. But Mike Schmidt's home run against the Expos in 1980, where Andy Muster screaming, he buried it, he buried yeah. it. That, that was Steve unbelievable. Rogers? Was it against Steve Rogers? Might have been Rogers, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, I think I might have been in your house uh, at the time. We might have watched that game together. You know what? I feel like it was the Len Matuzic's home run that we watched together in '81. Remember Len Matuzic hit the hit the big home run in '81? I think that was the, the home run Vukovic, we watched John, together. Uh, George Vukovic hit that home run. It was George? Vukovic. Oh, maybe it was Vukovic. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't Len Matuzic? It, was it was George Vukovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was a home run you're thinking of. But uh, incredible, incredible memories. But uh, for the sake of time, let's get in the World Series. Uh, and I know Meeker had some points he wanted to bring up, so so we'll we'll start with him. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, look, I wrote down a ton of stuff for this podcast, but I think the best way to kind of do it is, is just talk about it and have a conversation about some of the things that I think are kind of important, um, so we can just all have our just all have our input. Um, so, first of all, the Phillies—they're the—they're—they're they're a hot team, but the Astros haven't lost yet. In the series, so if you want to call a team hot, you know they're seven and zero. The Phillies are hot emotionally. The Astros are just hot. What wins out when you're emotionally on this high, or a team that's kind of easily gotten through the last seven games? They made the Yankees look like nothing. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. I think, I think, um, you know, when Meeker and I were talking about this briefly before we actually started recording, I just think like the Phillies just. Our team that doesn't have much to lose here, um, and I I think you know they're hot and they have nothing to lose. You know, no one expected them to be here. No one expected them to win the first round, let alone be in the World Series. So, you know, I I think they have the intangible advantage. All the all the intangibles, you know, for, are for the Phillies, in my opinion. I I think as long as you can keep the emotions in check. Which, I mean, okay, you got to the World Series. You, you, you seem to be doing a good job of that. I think that's the advantage. And, you know, you made the point, Meeker. Uh, Astros are the third team in the wild card era to get to the World Series 7-0. and The other two teams are the 2007 Colorado Rockies and the 2014 Kansas City Royals. Neither one won the World Series. Correct. Yep. Just saying. I agree with Jason. I think, you know, uh, the momentum, if there is, uh, you know, and, and a lot of baseball guys that I listen to on talk radio want to downplay momentum. Um, but I've never really seen a team in all my days with the emotional momentum that this team has going into this series ever. You know, not any Phillies team. You know, 08, we expected them to win. You know, I, I, I think, you know, they, we all knew they were the better team than Tampa. But this is a David versus Goliath situation here, and you know this this is one of those things that I think momentum plays a big part of it. But the Phillies are a really talented team, and they're just coming together at the right time. And um, I would not be surprised if they win the series, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Yep, yep, I totally agree. It reminds me very much. Not to jump ahead of this is on your list. It, it, it reminds me very much, minus the big injuries of the Super Bowl. Patriots were a team that had won it. They had been there, professional. They were the machine. Nobody's went to 10 consecutive championship games or whatever, like Brady did. And the Eagles were the team that had been, you know, Chip Kelly were going to go, and they finally put it together. And the way that team played together with emotion, it reminds me a lot of, I think I think the Phillies were probably more talented right now than that Eagles team would be, per se. But it just reminds me a lot of that, a lap matchup in that way. Yep. How about the about the Patriots versus the Giants? But that that situation is kind of similar too. If you talk about football. yeah, I don't know if it's to that extreme. To be honest with you, I think yeah, that, uh... I I think because I I don't think even I don't think the I don't think people are counting the Phillies out as much as they probably were the Giants that year, and that was the crowning of the greatest team of all time. If the Patriots win the Super Bowl, right? They were if, seventeen and zero. If these Astros win, it's going to be a, their great team, the end of a great era or a part of a great era for World Series in six years, they're not going to be considered the greatest of all time, whereas that Patriots was a much higher bar, I think. Gotcha. 
All right. Do you think the strategy is to pitch around Harper for most of the series? I think it has to be, unless they're out of their mind. Like, and you know, I'm gonna once we're done this quick segment here, I'm gonna get to to my my prop bets that I have for the series, and one of them is going to be Castellanos has got to have a big series here yep. because they are not going to let Harper beat them. They're gonna they're gonna pitch around them and walk them. And Castellanos is going to have to he's going to have to hit. So uh, I don't I don't think there's any chance that they pitch to this guy in a series. I would be shocked if they weren't much more reserved and less aggressive than than the Padres were. That just day after day it was extremely surprising that they attacked him. I mean, you saw the Phillies. Even though Soto ended up getting his hits, got a couple home runs, they were a lot more cautious around Soto Machado than. Uh, then Har- they uh, Padres were with Harper and Soto Machado hurt the Phillies at times and I it's going to be key that in front and behind Harper he gets the support because I if all things being equal uh, they're not going to give him a lot to hit if he's coming up with the bases empty yeah Castellanos is key here right because all I kept seeing and, and not you know he had I think every Philly in the last three series has had their moment even Castellanos has had his moments uh, with the bat and also with the catch in right field, right? But um, I just see him – look, he's an aggressive hitter, and he's always been an aggressive hitter. That's probably why we signed the guy. But I see him lunging at pitches constantly. And you can't – you're not going to do anything with a pitch when you're lunging at a pitch. Well, what, he, what to me, what he's doing is he's rolling over on a lot of balls because he's not going the other way. Like he's trying to pull stuff that's, that's – balls that you have to hit the other way. And he's trying to pull them and – Here's the ground ball to shortstop, you know, that's, and then, or, or if otherwise you're striking out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to your point, they Phillies played how many playoff games so far? 11? Yeah. And he's showing up in one of them? Yeah. I mean, he had one good game. He's had his moment, <laughs> he's get but I mean, there, and he hasn't been terrible. Yeah. But, you know, when he's hitting yeah, behind Harper, and we're talking about this strategy that may be employed by the Astros and pitching around them, he's going to have a lot of opportunities in this series. And he's going to have to deliver in some of these opportunities for them to score runs. Yeah. Yeah. If, if he doesn't, if he really doesn't come to play, it makes it a lot more difficult, I think, for them to win the series. Or you're, you're going to, you're going to need more out of some of those other guys because I don't think Harper is going to see enough good pitches to carry him the way he, and he, he carry him. He's not the only guy that's hitting, obviously, but I don't think he'll get as many good opportunities unless pitchers are making mistakes for him to hit some of these balls. So if he... I have a dark horse guy that I'm going to bring up when I do my prop bets, and I have some interesting stats on him, but we'll get to that in a little if bit. He, if he goes 0 for 8 in the first two games, do you switch the lineup? No, he's not going to switch any lineups. He's just not going to. He would have already switched the lineup if he's switching it. I mean, I, I think I said it to this group or whatever. Like, I think it was, was it game three when he was still struggling. Like, you know, and Bohm wasn't having an outstanding series, but I would have been fine moving Bohm up to fifth. Just to maybe yeah, get, I mean, Bohm's just not, not not hitting either, um, so I don't, I don't even think it matters. So you know, it didn't. Last couple of games didn't justify that that uh, idea either. But uh, I, I don't see Thompson pulling that trigger. I think he'll let it play out. All right. So who is an under the radar guy on the Phils that needs to step up in the series for them to win it? Yeah, Chalk. I'll say Bohm. I'll say Bohm. You know, and I think Bohm. You know, you want to talk about defense and the corners are obviously um, the the two positions in the infield where you have perhaps some reservation and and you know, but I think Bohm had a had a, had a decent fielding series against the Padres, and um, I'm gonna say you know if he can if he can get some hits, I think he and and maintain you know solid enough play in the field, I think he's he's you know assuming you know a Schwarber. Uh, Real Moto, Harper, and Castellanos are your top tier. I think he's that guy in the next, and Hoskins. Not to forget Hoskins either, but he's that guy in that next level that I think could be your your contributor uh, regularly if all goes right. So so check out these stats that I that I found. Um, so obviously Brandon Marsh was in the American League for you know half of the season and and, and you know last year. Brandon Marsh is. Three for nine versus McCullers, who's going to be their game four starter. 
he was four for seven off of Javier, who's going to be their game three starter. And he's five for ten against Luis Garcia, who's probably going to be a long relief guy and, you know, come in at some point. So Brandon Marsh could have could have a big impact in this series. The, the, the Astros are going to throw three righties mm-hmm. in their rotation out of the four. Uh, and Marsh is going to get a lot of playing time. And if he sets the table for Schwarber and Hoskins and, you know, the top of the order there, I I already bet him at 100-1 to to win the MVP. I mean, he, he could have a big impact in this series. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think when I look at what the path to winning this World Series is, I really come down. It really comes down to me that they have to win three of the four starts of Nola and Wheeler starts. They have to win three of those four starts. So to me, I don't think he's under the radar per se, but Suarez is my is my pick here because all he needs to do, in my opinion, for them to win the World Series is to win one start, and he's probably not going to get to in my opinion, his second start, because I think if it goes that far, the Phillies would have lost because they would have not won two, you know, three of the four starts that Wheeler or Nola pitches. So what, and it's going to be game three, obviously against, in my opinion, probably a better pitcher in Javier. And he has to outduel him in order for them to win this world series. So he's my, not under the radar, but I think he's an important part of it. Uh, uh, that's, well, I think if it goes if it goes seven games, I think Suarez is going to be your game. Yeah, well, that's player. what I'm saying. I don't think he'll get to. I don't think they'll get to seven games because they would have already lost. I don't think this series is going seven games. I think the Phillies have to kind of treat this like a sprint, and you know, win it in five, maximum six, in order for them to win the series. Yeah, I I think that's a good point because the, the first thing you said was the exact thing that I was thinking about all day is like they got to get three out of they got to if. Wheeler and Nola hopefully get four starts if it goes that long. They got to win three of the four, three of those four games. Yeah, and, yeah my, and my whole. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I was going to say and Suarez game three. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The Astros just destroy left-handed pitching, right? So if he can come up and ha- and win a game for him, then you got everything falling your way. I think. Um, but go ahead, Jay. I was just going to say. I think the Phillies must win one of the first two games. It's just an absolute yeah, must. They absolutely. can't come home down 0-2. And I really think they need to win the first game because whoever loses the first game is going to have a ton of pressure on them in game two because I think the 2-3-2 uh, format favors the the underdog because if you if you lose one of those first two games, you might not come home again, Right. Or at the very least, you're going to come home down probably 3-2. Uh, so I think, you know, I think it's a must that they win the, one of the first two games. If they don't, they're not winning the series. If they do, I think they're going to win in six. I really do. I, I'll go a step um, further. I, I think game one is almost a must. I mean, again, I, I didn't look this up. I heard on the radio coming home today. But I, I believe Verlander is 0-6 in World Series games. He's not uh, been great. You know, he pitched. He he shut the Yankees down, but he gave up five runs against Seattle. I think, right? I mean, yeah. if you can, you know, it's it's the formula that worked the, the last two series. You get out there on the road and you get game one, and then that takes a huge weight off your shoulders. And uh, you know, it's almost like you're playing with house money in game two. And I think that's you know, Verlander's going to win the Cy Young, right? But if you can, if you can get him game one, then I think you've set yourself up to win the series. I think one of the reasons why they decided to pitch Nola in game one was because of that, because Verlander hasn't been great. Valdez is pitching better than than him. Wheeler is pitching better than Nola. So if you want to match up against Valdez, you're pitching Wheeler in game two. Here's a stat for you. Through four postseason games, Zach Wheeler's whip is .50. It's the best whip through four postseason games in the history of baseball. Wow. I was shocked to hear that. But that's how well this guy yeah. is pitching. Yeah, I, th- I think a huge part of it, too, is they want the five days rest. Because uh, that, I know right. you had stats on the difference between him with four days rest and the five days rest. It's huge. Um, so I, I, I think I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah, you and, and, and I mean, coming, you know, he's pitched well coming off the 
the injury stint, but he's he once he's getting into eighty pitches, like they're not they don't want to keep him past that. His velocity is no, dropping. that's the so thing too. The yeah. extra day rest there, I think maybe you get you can hopefully get another inning out of him in the game if all goes well. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, any, any buying an extra day I think is key, especially since he he did miss that time. So a couple more. So can the Astros win this World Series with Altuve hitting under one hundred? continuing on this uh, streak I, yeah i don't i don't think so uh and one of the points that i was going to make is i don't i don't think this astros lineup is anything special and especially in altuve's struggling um so no if he doesn't hit they're gonna be in trouble i, th- I think it makes it difficult I, I wouldn't say it's they can't win if he keeps hitting like that i think they have enough juice in the lineup to still do some damage and finally uh is the is, is it Let's say do it for Dusty and vindication for the Astros versus destiny for the Phillies and Harper's ring. So what wins out? I, I, I'm going to say the Phillies win in six. I, that's my likely pick as well. <laughs> I see you smiling <laughs> as if you're, do, you're, are you doing that with your brain or are you doing that with your heart? You don't, have to I haven't decided, I haven't, I haven't decided that yet. That's that I, that that's my struggle. I mean, my brain says like this Astros team wins in four or five for some reason, and my heart says the Phillies aren't going to win in four or five, but I think six. This this the the Astros team. This is they're I think three and seven at home in their three World Series appearances in the last couple of years. So the home field for them is not a huge advantage. It's tremendous uh, at in Philly. So I, I think they can. Get one of the first two, get two of the three here, and then go back and close it off game six, which would be Wheeler again, right? Um, and win it win it in Houston. So, But uh, uh, not to jump ahead to bets, but if the Astros do pull it off at uh, 4 nothing plus 850, I might throw 50 bucks on that. But <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think it's like that. I don't think the Astros win a six- or seven-game series, though. Um, I think that favors the Phillies. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with my heart, and I'm going to – I'm going to say that uh, Destiny wins over Dusty and uh, Phillies in six and hope for the best. And uh, look, we're going to be glued, glued to this, to the sets for the next week and a half. So buckle up. Yeah. So real fast, uh, cause we got, we got to get moving here and get the football. Uh, I'm going to give a couple other MVP uh, bets that I put in. Uh, I already mentioned Marsh at a hundred to one. Castellanos, 40 to 1. I think that's a lot of value on a guy who's he's going to have a chance. Right? He's going to get pitches to hit because you're going to walk Harper. So Castellanos at 40 to 1. Bryson Stott, to me, is just a clutch player. I, I really like that kid. Uh, his at-bats are unbelievable, the way he wastes pitches until he gets a pitch he wants. Uh, he's going to play a lot, too, because they got three righties in their rotation. So Stott at 100 to 1. Take a shot. And then uh, Hoskins is on fire, eighteen to one. I think there's value in Hoskins. And then finally, if it goes the way I think, and this Phillies win in six, and Wheeler, Clint, you know, closes it out, Wheeler at seventeen to one. Seventeen to one on Wheeler. That's that's kind of low. Yep. Uh, like that, that's good value. The only the only uh, prop bet that I was thinking about was uh, Hoskins to have the most home runs in the in the World Series, and that's nine hundred. So I think that's a pretty good bet given the hot streak he's on. And then there's a pretty interesting prop bet for how it actually works out with the games. And it's Houston, then the Phillies, then the Phillies, then the Phillies, then Houston, then the Phillies is plus 5,500. So if you pick the right order of who wins each particular game, you get big time value there. I mean, that's really a shot in the dark, but it's worth it if you think the Phillies are going to win in six is how they're going to win it in six. 5,500, lay a dollar on that. Chalky? Yeah, I'll go quickly. So, I mean, if, to me, if you like the Astros, don't bet them straight up to win the series. Bet them to win in a four or five. Uh, you'll get more value on that. I think that they're over. Right now, the Phillies are priced at like 38% percentage to win on the money line. And I think, obviously, they have a greater shot than that. If you like the Phillies, bet at six or seven. A um, couple other bets I saw interesting. Number of players total to record a home run uh, in the series. Uh, DraftKings over 10.5 is plus 350. I would. Put some money on that and then individual players uh 
I landed on Bregman on the Astros. His over-under for total hits in this series is 5.5. He's been hitting well. Uh, that's a plus 125 for the series. I would bet that, and I'd bet his over-under on home runs, which is uh, 0.5. So that's minus 115. So I think he'll get. I think he'll get some. He'll get on base, and it should go enough games that you'll get six hits and one home run. All right. So, so we all think Phillies in six. So the Phillies aren't going to win in six. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. So good. Good talk there. Let's let's get moving on to the NFL. Uh, going to be pretty brief here. Uh, Briefly, the Eagles are coming off their bye, and they're, they're getting a bad Pittsburgh Steelers team at home. The Eagles are favored by 10 and a half, is the last I saw. Uh, we'll start with Chalky. Uh, briefly, just give me your, your, your thoughts on the game. I uh, can't see anyone thinking the Eagles aren't going to win this game, but just uh, brief uh, thoughts here. No, it's a game they should win. I mean, with the hook, they might not cover the 10 because you get a late touchdown. But, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, not to be underestimated, they have – Good players at every level. The defense, even with T.J. Watt out, um, but they let you know uh, Miami jumped on them quick last week, and that's been the Eagles' mo all year. And I don't think Kenny Pickett is going to be the kind of guy that can lead them back. He can get out of the pocket and and maybe try to make a play, which they're not necessarily uh, haven't played that much this year. But I, I, he's his accuracy it struggles, and I don't think. Pittsburgh can do enough on offense for it to be close. The Eagles, I think, would have to turn the ball over a couple times or give a big, a big special teams play. Um, but I think uh, I think the Eagles should win. Uh, I'll say twenty seven seventeen, so they don't cover the spread. But I think it would be a late touchdown that gets it uh, that close. Yeah, I'm along the same lines as you. I don't I don't think the Eagles are going to cover, but they'll win. I think they'll be a little little rusty coming off the bye. Uh, maybe Eagles win 2013 or something like that. Uh, low scoring game. Uh, so that that's my pick there. Meeker, real real fast. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see them losing the game. Uh, Pittsburgh's not a very good team. I'd be interested to see if the Eagles get Quinn into the game uh, in this in this uh, in this particular game. It's a good move for them. They added depth in the defensive line. A um, little bit older guy, but you know at the same time he does have like 100 plus sacks in his career, so he's he's definitely going to help. From an offensive point of point of view, the only thing I want to see is them score more points in the second half, you know, and just keep their foot on the gas and not get complacent. Um, Steelers' defense isn't really bad, uh, so I have a pick, you know, in our picks that I have, is in accordance with this game. So I won't get into that yet until we ha- we take our picks. But I see the I see the Eagles winning. They'll probably come close to covering. It's going to be right on that 10-11 line. So maybe win by 12, 24-12 is my prediction. Yeah, I think I think Pickett get uh, Pickett. I think uh, Queen gets in the game. I mean, go get the quarterback, right? Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have a lot. To he learn might he might get twenty percent of the reps or something. They'll get him in the rotation. Yeah. There's not going to be a lot of strategy as as far as that. But right. um, yeah, for a fourth round pick, it, it, the guy that's going to play a quarter to a third of the snaps, maybe barring injury, I think that was a, a good value for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's get into our bets review uh, for week seven. We'll, we'll do a quick rundown. Uh, but, but before we get into that and before I do the stats, I, I just got to get something off my chest here because it's still bothering me three days later. Uh, so Chalky, myself, and Tommy uh, had a joint entry in a survivor pool, and we got knocked out this week. And it may be the worst beat of, of my life. Um, Tampa? I love the Raiders going into this week. I loved them for two weeks, ever since they lost to the Chiefs on Monday night. They went into a bye. They needed, absolutely had to win this game last Sunday. They had to, right? So then I go on Twitter, and I come across a football analyst with the initials WS, and I, I'm, I refuse to say his name. I'm, I, I've since unfollowed him and blocked him. I will not say his name. And he started spewing meaningless stats of how bad the Raiders and Carr are off of a bye and et cetera, and how much he loved the Patriots this week. So stupid me falls for it, and I change my mind and, you know, talk to the guys, and we change our pick, and we decide to go with the Patriots. Well, the greatest coach in the history of football, and I say that sarcastically because take a gander at his, his record without Tom Brady, all right? Proceeded to be embarrassed by the Chicago Bears' high school offense, and they lost the game. And, of course, the Raiders win easily. 
So we would have been one of 10 entries left out of 450 for an insane amount of money. I'm not going to bring up the amount, but it's a lot of money. And we still had left the Bills, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Cowboys, maybe the four best teams in the league to use. So we built that advantage by choosing these teams off the ebb and flow of the league. You know, picks like the Saints and Bengals and... And the first week we didn't do it, we lose. So it's the worst beat of my life. Uh, but but I digress. It's over. Let's move on. <laughs> I thought you, would, right, I thought so you picked go. Tampa. I thought you were going to say Tampa was your pick. No, we still had them left too. We, we didn't use them. Either. You can't imagine the teams that we still have left and the advantage that we had. It's gone. Oh, it's sickening. But All right, so... Last week, we're actually going to start. Uh, well, let's let's do the, the quick uh, league stats before we get into our picks. Uh, so, the over unders actually were seven and seven last week uh, for seven over, seven under. Uh, 42 over, four, 66 under on a year. The public over under was six and seven. So, uh, they're 46 wins and 61 losses on the year. And the public spread was six and eight. So, not, not too much of a bad public week last week. Uh, public is. 45 and 61 against the spread, though, so they are still struggling there. But uh, we'll get into our, our weekly picks, and we're, we're going to start with Meeker this week. So Meeker, Meeker was the only one who had a positive week last week. Uh, he went 2-1 and one with his picks. Uh, he had the Titans, minus 2.5. That was a winner. He also had the under in the Lions-Cowboys. That won, but he lost on the over-under in the Texans and the Raiders. So he went 2-1 and one on the week. Uh, I'll get to myself. I had my first uh, losing week uh, this year. Uh, I went one and two. I lost on the Jaguars. I will never, ever again bet Trevor Lawrence in any sh- way, shape, or form. He's a bad, bad quarterback. So I'm done with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I did win the Lions and Cowboys over under. I had the I had the under there, but I lost the Bears Patriots. On top of losing the survivor, I lost the over-under in that game. I went under and it went over. So um, I was one and two. Uh, We'll go to Chalky next. Uh, Chalky fell back to one and two again, Chalky. You had the one, two, and one week, and you're you're back to one and two again. I apologize for confusing all the (laughs) listeners the week before by having a winning week. So Yes. So you also had the Jaguars um, and lost. Uh, You also had the Giants-Jaguars... You did have the under in that game, so you won that one, but you lost the Saints, the game that Meeker traveled 2,000 miles to go watch a 2-5 and team play football. So you you lost that game. And then we'll finally we'll get to Tommy. Tommy also went 1-2 wow. and two in the week. Um, he also had the Jaguars. So right off the bat, you should have known that we all had the t- Jaguars as our top pick. Bad news. Um he had the Bengals to win uh, and cover, so he won that, but then he lost the 49ers money line. Um, and then real fast, um, just to get to our overall record, um, I'm 15-6 and six on the year. I'm plus 773 with a 37% ROI. Tommy's 11-9-1, plus 230 with 11% ROI. Chalky is 8-13. Uh, minus $584 and minus 28% ROI. Meeker is 8 and 10, minus 283, and it's minus 16% ROI. Uh, Jimmy D is still perfect, uh, and Dave lost a couple games when he joined us. So overall, we are 46 and 40 on our pod, plus $295, Hooray. and still with a profit of three or ROI of 3.4%. Uh, and then, real fast, finally, last stats I'm going to give out. Uh, our best bets of the week. I finally lost one. I'm now six and one on my best bets. Um, plus four fifty-five with a sixty-five percent ROI. Tommy is four two and one, two hundred ninety-seven dollars profit, forty-two percent ROI. Chalky foot fell below uh, the Mendoza line. He's three and four minus one twenty-seven minus eighteen percent ROI. Meeker got a win, but he's still terrible. He's still two and four on his best bets. Minus 226, minus 38% ROI. And uh, as a group, we are 17 and 12, plus 575, and a 19% ROI. So our best bets are still pretty solid as a group. 
and I did a lot of talking. I will end with my picks and Tommy's picks. So we're going to go to Chalky <laughs> first and get his wonderful selections for this week. Ah, yes, that's the adjective I was thinking of. Um, despite my threats uh, earlier through text message, I am not going to take the Saints. So do I do like I do like them this week. They will not be one of my three. So uh, I'm going to continue with the theme. I think it's going to be like, what, the fourth straight week, picking something in the Giants game. Uh, Giants are going out to Seattle. Seattle's laying three. They're first place, uh, NFC West Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they're laying three. The public is on the spread on Seattle. The public's on the money line on Seattle. I don't buy the Giants at six and one, but I really don't buy the Seahawks at four and three. So I'll take the Giants on the money line plus one thirty-five to go out west and beat Seattle at a four twenty-five game. Uh, uh, next pick, so second choice will be Vikings uh, minus three and a half. That's a minus one fifteen line against the Cardinals. Cardinals finally got a home win. We don't gotta go through that again. They're getting seventy-seven percent of the bets right now. Um, against with the spread getting the three and a half Vikings are playing a lot of close games but they're they're just a much better team and uh for the Arizona to get in that much money I'll take the other side thank you and I'll take the uh, Vikings minus three and a half uh and the other play I had was the is the under over under in the Raiders uh Saints um two offenses that could certainly score but uh you got almost 90% of the money and the bets on the uh, over right now. I'll take the uh, under there and see if they can make it a 27-20 game, perhaps. Christopher Michael Meeker, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to start with an under, and I'm going to go under 51 and a half in the Miami Detroit game. Um, Detroit scores a lot of points, but they usually score a lot of points when they're down a lot of points. So in the games that they've actually been either close or just gotten blown out, they really haven't scored that many points. I don't think they have the most impressive offense in the world. And they still have some injuries. I don't know where 51 and a half even comes from. I think that's, a, that's a really large line here. Me, you, and Chalky. Oh, I know that. Well, that's true. That's true. But I don't know that Miami is like the most prolific offense in the world. I, of course, they have some good receivers. But I think it's just a big line. Miami probably wins the game by like 10. But more like – you know, somewhere in the 20, 24, 14 range. And so 51 and but, a half is just a big number. That, I'm just going to go under that. So, again, that's that's another, you know, thing we always talk about. We're like, Vegas is setting that line. You you think the line's wrong. I mean. Not, well, it's not that I think it's wrong. I just think that the teams that are playing in the game are, aren't are going to score that many points. It's well, then you think simple. the over-under line right. is set incorrectly. <laughs> Right. I don't know that it's said incorrectly. They said it, and I say, man, that's a lot. That doesn't okay. make sense to me. All right. These two teams aren't very good. Okay. I've been winning the unders. Okay, Mika, so go ahead. Don't What's your next pick? I win the unders. We're going to go under again. We're going to go under 43 on the Eagles Steelers. Again, I don't really think the Steelers are going to score that many points in this game. It's not that I think the Eagles are going to score a lot of points. I just don't think the Steelers are going to score much. So I see it kind of landing somewhere in the high 30s, like 24, 13, somewhere in that range. It's 43 right now. So I'm going to go under in the Eagles-Steelers game, under 43. And my play, not this is not my top pick, but my play other than under overs is uh, Cincinnati. So Cincinnati, I know Jamar Chase just came out today that he's on IR. Uh, he's not going to play in the game. But I always – like I've won three or four uh, this year in this pod with picking teams that are going in one direction and another team going in another direction. Right now, Cincinnati's on the uptick. Cleveland's finding ways to lose. You know, we're talking three points here. I know it's on the road, but Cincinnati's kind of shaping up to the team that I thought they three would be. Half. Three points, not three a lot. And a half. Three and a half. Chalky, wow. right? Three and a half. Uh, I'm seeing three I on DraftKings right now. Oh, okay. It changed then. All right, yeah. I'll give it to you. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna stick with three, right. and I think Cincinnati wins the game by a touchdown. All right, so I'm gonna give you Tommy's picks. Uh, Tommy gave me his three picks. He is going uh, Patriots minus two and a half uh, to cover there. He's it's what? like the girl you never you you chase your whole <laughs> life. Uh, yeah, hey, maybe they bounce back. All right, so he's opposite of Chalky on the Seahawks Giants game. He's Seahawks minus three, and then he's Bills minus. Uh, 
what is the what is the number in that game, Chalky? I have eleven. He had mentioned ten and a half. Ah, uh, right this second, it is eleven. Okay, so we'll, give, we'll give the eleven there. And then we'll end with my picks. Uh, my best bet's going to be the Colts minus three. Uh, they they are replacing that statue turnover machine, Matt Ryan. Um, hopefully, this kid El- Ellinger comes in and uh, could at least be mobile. Um, and I, I, I think they cover that game. Uh, and then I'm going to give you two unders. I'm going to give you the 49ers and Rams under 43. And then the Bengals and Browns, I'm going to go under 45 and a half. So hopefully I can get back on track this week. So, all right. So that concludes our podcast for this week. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broad Street Hustle. Uh, hopefully Tom will be back with us next week. Uh, next week we'll have our thoughts on the World Series and also maybe do some Breeders' Cup preview. Uh, maybe throw a couple races in there, and obviously we'll, we'll get back to the NFL. So uh, until then, Chalky and Meeker, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, peace out. Let's go Phils. Go Phils.